to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we rapidly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watch Cinderella and the Glass Ferrace from 1964, which I'm calling the fake Mexican Cinderella. Yep. Yep. I don't know how, but I wasn't expecting it to be as racist as it was. Which, like, I don't know how the title didn't give it away, but like, I was like, oh, yep. this is just going to be in Spanish. How fascinating to watch a different culture's interpretation of the Cinderella story. No, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I can't swear on this. It's a it's gosh like, darn Looney Tunes cartoon. It is. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon, and it was made in 1964. And so I also was somehow not expecting the caricatures to be just as unpleasant as they were. So just for a little bit of background, uh, this is a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's a Warner Brothers cartoon. So this was the last Looney Tunes short released before the Warner Brothers cartoon division was shut down. And it was like the final one shot until 1968. Shocking no one, this was written and directed and storyboarded by white dudes, uh, Holly Pratt, who also did the layouts, and John Dunn, who did the writing. Yeah, it's just, it's just an unpleasant view of what 1960s folks thought about Latinx people in general. So this cartoon, we watched it in Spanish, but I don't speak Spanish, and Liv doesn't speak Spanish. Yeah. So... It was was, better in Spanish. It was better in Spanish because I could make it better in my head. Because I could understand some words like triste story. I'm like, oh, a sad story. Okay. Yes, miserable. And I'm like, oh, I I know that. Yeah, just like that. I I understand some of these words because they're very simple cognates and I'm fine with that. So So mm -hmm. the the racist bits were the posters, which phonetically spelled accents in a way that was very exaggerated and stereotypical. When we watched it in English, because we sort of realized that we weren't getting as much out of the Spanish, the whole cartoon is narrated. Yeah. Uh, So when we watched it in English, it got- Worse. Worse. (laughs) Because the, the way that the story is told to us is there are the shadows of two men at a table wearing sombreros with mustaches. And they are sort of caricatures of rancheros and they're wearing sombreros. They have uh, cigarettes and mustaches and noses and things. (laughs) One of them has a rounded nose and that's the guy telling the story. And one of the shadows has a pointed nose and that's the guy asking the questions. See, I've just got them down as chubby and skinny in my notes because the one with the rounded nose is chubbier. So in Spanish, what we just get is one man telling another man a story, which we then visually see. What we get in English is a really, really aggressively fake Mexican accent. And it is egregious. Yeah, so the entire cartoon is somebody doing a bad Mexican accent, but not just that. They're also doing all these mannerisms, like these... Uh, like omitting articles or putting 
making things plural when they're not meant to be plural, like things like that. Um, bad, bad sentence structure that you get when someone is speaking English and it's not their first language, which means that, by the way, they know two languages and you don't. So yeah, so there was stuff happening with the syntax that was also pretty gross. Yes. Uh, the worst of it being the, the title. So what happens is that there's a poster right behind the two shadows and it says now playing Cinderella and the glass slipper and the silhouetted pointy nose man goes hey friend what is this Cinderella and the glass Hirache so that's how we open already it's being translated in a weird way so a Hirache is a leather tongue and I am butchering the pronunciation and I am so sorry, <laughs> but it's a leather tongue sandal originally worn by the indigenous people of Mexico and it's derived from Warachi, which is a word in the Purapecha language. Senorella is not a real word and was made up for this cartoon and it's Senorita plus Cinderella, Senorella. Ta-da. Okay, so... <sighs> Uh, we can't we can't unpack like every layer of we terrible with okay that. so but so, there's a lot of layers of terrible with that okay so we get this narration and we see cinderella for the first time who i will be calling cinderella and not senorella because it's a stupid word yeah so, uh i think just for the sake of not being gross we're yeah. gonna say the narration we are not going to say it exactly. We are going to unracist it because we can. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm not going to be reading literally the way word for word because mm. the way it was written was like very stereotypical. But just assume that despite what we're saying, the actual narration is, is being gross. Yes, so, so we cut to Cinderella. Again, she is wearing a Flintstones dress. She has very short, spiky, pointy hair. It goes about to her chin, and she's got these lines under her eyes, so she looks very tired. She has so like, immediately, I'm yeah. like very in tune with her. She has a very, very pointy nose. Um, her eyes are set very close together. Her hair is very, very spiky. And just my notes are, she's generally spindly and unattractive. There's nothing that says that this is a beautiful girl who's just wearing rags. This is a very pointy. If you had told me this was a stepsister, the, the pointy stepsister, I would not have been shocked. But we know it's Cinderella because she's sitting in a fireplace to keep warm. And then she sneezes and she's covered with soot head to toe. Yep. Uh, which is also how we know it's Cinderella. I thought it was kind of cute and also that she looked malnourished. I thought the design was interesting, not that being malnourished is cute. The design was interesting. I really liked the uh, the sets, uh, I guess. What, what do we call sets in cartoon land? The backdrops? I the backdrops, the yeah. Yeah, I really liked the backdrop design. They were very reminiscent of the um, muralist movement in Mexico. So... It, just sort of traditional turn of the century Hispanic art with just bold colors and broad shapes and just generally very pretty. I thought the backdrops in this were, were lovely. The backdrops were beautiful. The lighting was very interesting. They didn't do lighting on the main characters that moved, but they did lighting on the backgrounds. And you would see these really dramatic blue shadows with yeah. like red light and then a streak of green going down the middle. Yeah. 
and it was actually like very well done there's weirdly a lot of beauty in this cartoon so at this point we meet the stepsisters and the stepmother we do see that the stepmother has an anchor tattoo on one arm on both arms because we see her from different sides well at first we only see her from one side but yes she does we find out eventually that she has anchor tattoos on both arms and as somebody who loves anchors and tattoos that made me happy I enjoy the fact that the stepsisters are named Sarsaparilla and Umbrella. Yep, that was fun. I like that. That's an interesting beat. Sarsaparilla is the skinny one. We always have a skinny stepsister. She has big teeth and she's very tall. And Umbrella is short and fat with very bushy eyebrows. So this is a caricature of a lot of things. But again, in every Cinderella story that we see that's animated, of the stepsisters, we usually get a tall, pointy stepsister and a short, round stepsister. So this is, I can't tell if this is a specific caricature of Hispanic people or if this is just the caricature that we do with Cinderella so that her stepsisters are distinguishable from one another. There's a lot of things that if it was just in a different cartoon that I wouldn't have thought twice about. Yes. But because it's in this cartoon, there's just this general context, like because this cartoon is not in a vacuum. Yeah. There's like these little details that make me go kind of like, ugh. Yeah. If this was just not set there, that would probably be fine. But since it is, that seems like something you did on purpose with ill intent. Ick. It's like one of those fun intersections between like how we caricatures women that we think are ugly which is just like regular misogyny with the intersection of how they're caricaturizing specifically hispanic women yep okay moving on so we are but a simple cinderella podcast run by two white people like i really who are not doing a good job no no like i just i don't have the authority to speak on that whatsoever um so we're just gonna move on so we meet the stepsister and stepmothers they're at a large table eating a sumptuous meal we now get to my least favorite part in the movie talon do you want to talk about what happens now or oh i was just gonna say that the stepmother we didn't really describe her other than the anchor tattoo which is like kind of boss so she's got bright red lipstick bright blue eyeshadow she has a beauty mark and her hair has that little curl in front of the ear things. And she's a very stout lady. She looks a little bit like a linebacker with tiny feet. She also has one tooth. Which we see later, yes. Which we see later. She has one tooth. Um, so they all look very distinctive in their own extremely ugly ways. So the narration tells us that Cinderella's hungry all the time. Yeah. And the second stepsister throws a literal bone to Cinderella. So Cinderella is on her knees, crawling with an empty dish of some kind. It's not a plate. It looks sort of like a pie pan, but it's empty. And she's crawling on her knees to the table to beg I for food. I was getting there. I hated it. It made me so angry. Uh, the bone flies kind of past her and lands by a shaking chihuahua. Uh, and then when Cinderella reaches for the bone, the chihuahua kind of roars and has like razor teeth. Yes. Um, I didn't like that. That made me really sad. Like genuinely. Genuinely. I hated that moment. 
she she then flees the chihuahua which is a very realistic reaction and the stepmother and stepsisters laugh uproariously which is when we find out that the stepmother has one tooth yes i did find that this portrayal of chihuahuas was extremely accurate just saying (laughs) chihuahuas are awful so as much as i hated the way that the narration was made i did really like two adult men telling each other the story as the framing device because we get little asides where like the narrator says they were very mean to her and the person <laughs> listening is like oh they're terrible i spit on them they're that they're was, pigs that was great so <laughs> we then find out through the narration that her only friends are bugs and some of them are good bugs and some of them are bad bugs and we know that they're bad bugs because as soon as the narration tells us that cinderella pauses her scrubbing off the floor and kind of scratches her hips so she definitely has fleas yeah they're definitely fleas because they're just they have wings and antenna so they they could potentially be ants or possibly flies but yeah they're definitely fleas um when we see the good bugs they get little halos over their head and we eventually see them helping her with her work you know carrying soap and bringing the buckets and stuff to assist her with her floor scrubbage Um, i want to know what she was doing before the soap and the water arrived because we see her scrubbing the floor before the bucket and soap are there i think they're just bringing her a fresh bucket and extra soap okay that's good because otherwise she was just scrubbing a dry brush over a dry floor yeah it doesn't make any sense I i think they're just bringing her a fresh bucket and more soap that's that was my interpretation of that scene um the step family glare at her as she scrubs the floor faster and retreats stage left um and this is where we see the second anchor tattoo and yes. i don't know if this was an animation mistake because we see most of the characters in profile the majority of the time mm-hmm. and we saw the stepmother facing the left side of the screen and now she's facing the right side of the screen and the anchor tattoo is in the same place in her arm and I, i'm just kind of a stickler for continuity in cartoons I'm curious whether they meant to have her have two anchor tattoos or if they intended on the one and then forgot what side it was on. That's, that is a good question. I, I don't think we'll ever have the answer. Right. So uh, we cut back to the narrators and I haven't done as skinny, but skinny goes, this is the most pitiful story I've ever heard and begins to cry into his drink. Uh, his which, friend reassures him <laughs> that it's not finished yet. Which we're like, and- oh no, <laughs> oh no. And this is where we get introduced to our uh, king and prince, who are Don Miguel. Don Miguel del Porto Basco. Yes. I was not willing to butcher that. (laughs) And his son, Jose. Yes. Um, And Don Miguel's great sorrow in life is that his son isn't interested in girls and has a different favorite pastime. <laughs> it's a Toreador. All he wants to do is bullfight. Can we can we pause for a second and describe Don Miguel? Oh, please do. Okay. So I have him as a cross between the Sultan from Aladdin and Yosemite Sam. Because he's got that big mustache, but he's short and it's a white mustache and it's this massive mustache. It's bigger than he is. And he's wearing a sombrero, his big fancy hat. He's a cross between Yosemite Sam and the Sultan from Aladdin. He's also dressed entirely in yellow. 
Yes. And champignonas cigarette, I think, or a cigar. Some, some sort of smoking implement. Jose is wearing a traditional uh, Torador outfit. He's very tall and has sort of a big sticky out chin and dark hair. And he just, he's just a caricature of a Torador. He has a very big pointed nose yes. and these kind of hooded eyes and his lips are always pursed. So he, I just refer to them as kissy lips. He looks very traditionally Roman, I guess. Yeah, and he's got this really big, very rounded chin. There, there were a lot of movie stars back in the day that had that sort of Clark Gable meh, big That's chin. not helpful for our listeners Sorry. who can't see what you just did. It's not a visual medium. So I, I thrust my chin forward as though I had a large chin. That's what I did just now. So the narrator says that this makes Don Miguel very sad and also very mad. And at this point, the bull runs through the house and hits the wall. And then Don Miguel punches the bull and it goes butt first out of the house and hits Jose. And they both slam into a different wall and have little stars around their heads. And to be fair, to be fair, Don Miguel punches the bull because the bull has flattened him into a wall. Yes. After and his son has like spun out of the way with his red cape. Yes, and destroyed a big part of the house. So that's, I mean, he's oh. understandably upset. I'm not. Okay, there's a really cute animation moment in which as it pans through the house and it shows you all of the destruction in the wake of the bull, uh, right when it says this made Don Miguel very sad, it you briefly see a painting of Don Miguel and he looks so sad. His mustache is drooping. <laughs> he's just got the saddest eyes. So Don Miguel tells Jose that he's going to throw a big uh, fiesta with all the girls and that he better pick a wife. And I guess the thinking here is if he has a wife, he will no longer do bullfighting in his backyard. Presumably. Uh, we can go into the, the logic behind this. I'd, I'd be happy to do a deep dive into why exactly Don Miguel thinks that being enwifed messes with bullfighting. But... I think the general thought process here is that my son is too wild. I need him to settle down. I need him to find a new way to occupy his time. And I think it should be with a lady. That seems safe. That, that's, that's fair. That is probably the assumption that was happening. So, so then we, cut... we see a poster. Yep, we do. What is, uh, do you want to tell us what this poster says, Talon? Uh, I'm just going to say that it's a mix of actual Spanish and then like, fake phonetic not Spanish that's meant to imply like an accent so they misspelled the word women as like w-e-e-m-e-n the the poster essentially says attention there's going to be a big party for women only first prize my son signed Don Miguel yep it's like one of the posters that gets put up in Zorro films very dramatic I... signature at the bottom <laughs> I enjoy the fact that he's completely open about the fact that this is like a meat market and his his son is the prize and come on in ladies. Yep so we then hear from the narrator that the beauty parlors are full and we see women lined up entering them and then we watch these women having makeup applied to them via stencil via stencil yeah i was looking for the right word but they they line up and there are 
cutouts of eyes, lips, and cheeks, and they are, the makeup is literally spray painted onto them. Very efficient. Very I would efficient. like to say that when we see a line of women walking into the parlor, they all have really different character designs. They're all wearing completely different dresses, like different styles, different colors. Different hair. They have different, different hair. Heights. They have different body types. Yes. So and they all look really cute, actually. They do. They're, they're very cute. In cartoons, it's really hard to show different like character designs without yeah. making them so exaggerated that they look kind of like bad. Yeah. But they found a really good balance of differentiating the different women and also still making them all look like very cute and pretty and they're all getting dolled up. I really like that. I like when animation takes an extra step instead of having all the same woman, which they actually do later, which, which do I was later. mad about. But then not when they're having the shoe trying on part. It's the shoe trying on part. They're back to being individual women at the ball. They're identical women. And it was a weird choice. And I don't know why they made it because they clearly demonstrated that they had the ability to not do that. I think it was just too hard to animate them dancing versus in a line. And I understand why that happened. Yeah. But the fact that they animated them separately in the line, line. or at yeah. least designed them separately in the line, made the fact that they were all the same person at the dance like very noticeable and very jarring I mean I guess you can spin it as they were all appeared the same to him because they were all not perfectly Cinderella I, you can make an argument of like everyone seemed the same in my eyes because it's a weak argument it's a poor argument you're really like you're carrying really, a lot there I'm trying I'm really trying to make this better than it was well you can't <laughs> I know after so. they spray them through the stencil uh we see all the ladies and now they all have their hair done up because before they had it kind of at the nape of their neck and they have it all done up in different hairstyles and they all look really nice I'm a they big do. fan they do they look they look lovely it's they're ready for the dance so we cut to the stepsisters and we are told that they are getting ready for the ball and that they are making themselves dainty which mm -hmm. was a word that I was wholly unprepared for in this context. Yeah. So the tall, like very thin stepsister is looking in the mirror and she's applying lipstick and then she smiles and she's got these big teeth and the mirror shatters because yep. she's got big teeth. We find out that they have dressed themselves up in the latest fashions from Madrid. I paused as they walked out the door so I could write down what they were wearing. Oh, thank goodness, because I could not get past the fishnets that yep. the short and chubby stepsister was wearing. Yeah. So Umbrella, the short chubby one, is wearing fishnets and essentially a tutu. It is a very short, white, fluffy skirt that looks like a tutu. Sarsaparilla is wearing a bright red sort of loose halter top gown that is also short and has frills around like the thighs with this massive bright green bow. And all I have about the stepmother is that she has anchor tattoos on both arms, but she's also wearing something that is strapless and ugly. <laughs> um, and Cinderella yeah. is left all alone with the bugs. Please tell me what happens next, because I don't know how to interpret my notes. So her fairy godmother appears with uh, the narration has an ole there. Yep. The fairy godmother is like very short and she has a big round nose and kind of orangey hair. 
She's yep. wearing a white dress with a pink apron and she's got a very big crown with like three prongs with balls at the ends. And she's got like little dragonfly wings or like little bee wings. They're not butterfly wings. Yeah. So what I have she's is She's also she- wearing sandals. So what I have is that she looks like Barney Rubble from the Flintstones, but with Wilma's hair. Yes. And also if she worked in a diner, I would not be surprised. Yes. I also have that she has mosquito wings. Oh, mosquito wings. There you go. Yep. So she tells Cinderella that she's going to fix her up so she can go to the ball too and goes outside and takes an old wagon and presto, it's a first class coach. It's a car. It's a car. It's, it's a very, very tall shaped, car. But it's definitely a car. Yeah. It's, it's originally an old pull wagon, like the ones from um, the Emperor's New Groove. So it's, it's yeah. just a two-wheeled wagon. It's not a four-wheeled wagon. She then takes a chalk cube for a pool cue, applies it to the end of her wand. My notes just say, why? Why? I love that. I think that's hilarious. And then she turns the bugs into bright pink and fuchsia donkeys. There, the design of the donkeys was really cute. They had these big circle eyes and they like would blink occasionally. And they all looked very confused about being donkeys. They did, they in no way looked like, they did not try to make these donkeys even look like donkeys remotely. We could tell they were donkeys because they were very clearly not horses. Um, Yeah, that's about it. They were also, again, hot pink and fuchsia i Um, liked it i liked that the donkeys were purple i liked that the donkeys were pink and purple i did not like that they were transformed from bugs i would have preferred lizards frankly so we see cinderella and she's in profile now and she's one of the few characters we haven't seen in profile Mm -hmm. and oh boy is her nose very pointy she's also got like a solid foot of height on the fairy godmother yeah do you want to um, talk about Cinderella's transformation into a completely different person? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the fairy godmother goes zap, zap, and Cinderella is just a different person. Her nose is a little smaller. Her hair is up. She's very, very curvy. She now has a chest that could in no possible way have fit under her previous Flintstone stress. No, she is 100% just a different human being now. Oh, yeah. She's instead of transforming her outfit, she just got transformed into a different lady. Her, which which is an interesting take on the Cinderella story. So her hair is done up with the curls over her ears. She's got a beauty mark. She's got purple eyeshadow. And I thought that her design actually had all of the same like little stylistic choices as the stepsisters and the stepmother. And so the things that didn't work on them are clearly working on her. Yes. So she ha- her hair is done up beautifully. She has one of the um, sort of traditional combs in her hair that are decorative. She's wearing, her dress is, we get another, basically another Jessica Rabbit dress. Yes. It is bright and red. She has the figure to support it. She sure does. It's a very tango dress. So it's, it's strapless and backless and bright red and it's very tight uh through her waist and over her hips and thighs and then has ruffles sort of around her knees it's it's like a cocktail dress it's like a flamenco dress so then you get this like big band vava voo music 
and Cinderella swing her fan in a circle while doing this little shimmy with her hip cocked and she's kind of bouncing in place in time to the music. She sure is. And then we get her glass slippers, which are like Adidas slides, but they're they, glass. They're Adidas slides. They're size four and five eighths. Yes, Why? we are told that that's her size. And that's actually about the size that my cousin wears. I don't know why that was important. It's a very specific size. I wonder if it's a reference to something. Maybe. I'm not sure. So the fairy godmother says, you know, when the church bells chime midnight, come home, um, tells her to hurry. And then she hits the donkeys with her wand like it's a whip. Yeah, I skipped right over that part. So at the fiesta, there's music, laughter, there's dancing. Hang on. The line is mucho laughter, music, cha-cha-cha. Yeah, I thought we weren't doing the narration. <laughs> just It's just the concept that there is cha-cha-cha instead of dancing. I just, I'm, just that little bit. I'm sorry. That part cracked me up. So it's like dark out. We see the house from outside and all the windows are lit up and there's all these spotlights moving across the sky. And it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, they really did a beautiful job with the backgrounds. They did, Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention, the way they draw stars is like the way little kids draw stars, <laughs> where you see the lines going through the middle. Yep. It, it's like a very cute touch. I, it's a shame they wasted it on... On this garbage, but... On uh, a really racist cartoon. Yeah, so we're told that everyone's having a good time, and we see all the women file past. The women are now all identical. They're wearing... 1950s prom dresses that are strapless and have large floopy skirts with sort of a v waistline that go down to the ground and have frills um they're all in different colors they're all like pastel-y they're they're kind of pastel-y they're they're actually nice all of those dresses are pretty and are in acceptable colors nobody's wearing bright horrific orange or neon green so sure i couldn't complain about that part i was annoyed that they were all physically identical because we've established that we can choose to not do that but whatever and they all kind of dance past him in a single file line all with one up in the air the way rupaul goes may the best woman win on drag race yep the we're told that the prince is not having a good time although he does appear to wake up when the ugly stepsisters go by well he grimaces he grimaces. I, I thought he was asleep honestly his eyes were like half masked. He was very bored, which I would be too if every person I encountered looked exactly the same. But then suddenly Cinderella appears from behind a curtain on a stage. That's how I would enter a party if I could. Sure. If sure. I liked detention, which I don't. <laughs> we, we get sexy trombone music now and she is again bouncing her hip and spinning her fan as before. Jose's pupils turn into hearts and bounce out of his eyeballs. And then... They do an extremely bizarre tango. It's basically if the tango was in a dip the entire time. Yes. So she is bent at 90 degrees. At backwards. the waist. Backwards. The whole time. And it, it's a tango, I guess. Um, but in they, the sense that they walk from one, from the left side of the screen to the right side and then flip and walk from the right side to the left side multiple times. Okay, Talon, when you say flip, do you mean they literally just flipped the animation and ran it the other way? Because yes, that's what they did. Okay, just want to make sure the listeners know that 
we didn't get different animation. It just literally flips and then flips back again. Multiple times, Multiple not times. just twice. No. So we see that Don Miguel is very happy about this. And, and so Cinderella, you know, he's got a huge grin. She's got a smile. He's they like making to- that kissy face at her. They're having a good time. They are genuinely, they seem to be enjoying each, each other and know, themselves. Do you know who else is having a very good time? No. Don Miguel. He's so thrilled for his son. He's jumping up and down, clapping his hands. Um, and the narration tells us Don Miguel is very happy. Yes. Oh, so then um, midnight chimes and Cinderella flees, leaving the shoe, which this at least makes sense. It is very easy to leave behind an Adidas slide, particularly, I guess, if it's made out of literal glass. So, so the way that she leaves is that she just straight up disappears from the prince's arm in like a puff of smoke. Like she yep. pokes it out of there. And because he's bent over at a 90 degree angle, he looks surprised and, and then, then just belly flops right on the ground. Which Face plants. Just face plants. It's great. I thought that um, was really funny. He had his arms out like he was still holding her, but there's nothing there. Well, there were lines indicating that she had fled. There yes. were spirally lines indicating that so it was pretty great she booked it she was like fairy godmother said midnight it's midnight i gotta go nobody says anything in this movie by the way only the narration it's just the narrator and his friend asking him questions yeah so don miguel wants to know who this girl is jose does not know but announces that he will find out using the shoe because they're going to just look for a girl with a four and five eighths foot. Yep. So again, we see a bunch of girls filing into a foot measuring arch fa- facility uh, place. And again, we have different women. They say none of them have the right size feet because they're clearly not trying the shoe on because the shoe is elsewhere. They're in a single file line and they walk through this big archway and before the archway they're smiling and on the other side of it they're all frowning and there's a big sign that says rejects and as the camera pans from one side to another I suppose in that tiny archway there could have been a person with the shoe and they could have quickly tried it on and then gone through but that's not shown to us it's not it also specifically says measuring not trying on so I think that they literally just had like a ruler that would make sense yeah I guess but now Don Miguel and uh, Jose come to the stepmother's door and, you know, Don Miguel knocks on the door. Jose's holding the, uh, the pillow with the shoe, as you do in a Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the stepmother looks out the window and in a bit of like foresight, we seldomly see, decides yep. that Cinderella is not going to ruin this for her, ties her up with a rope and throws her in a mud pile. However... Uh, Cinderella's face is the newly transformed Cinderella. Like she still has her makeup on. She still her has her hair. Up. Her hair is still done. So what we get told, the literal line, I'm not, I promise I will not do another line, but we're told that uh, stepmother doesn't want Cinderella to ruin, to win. So she quote, got rid of her. And we, I was like, that sounds like a murder. I mean, when you tie somebody up and throw them in like a mud puddle which covers up their entire body that is murdery just like also we've established that not not in this film but it it is known that pigs are um there's a pig in the mud there's a pig in the mud with her yes 
uh, pig in the mud. We've established that pigs eat a lot of things. And that um, pig is very docile and well fed and would never harm Cinderella and actually is more of like a family pet. I decided just now. That's fine. I like that decision better. I like that decision better than that we tried to do a pig murder. So the stepdaughters take their turns trying on the shoe and we see Umbrella, the chubby daughter, go first and she has badly shaved legs, which she has razor cut herself trying to shave, which I didn't like. I just wanted to say the way that they try on the shoes that they just stick a leg out through the door. We don't yes, actually see them. That is true. They just stick a leg out through the door. Uh, the skinny one has moles all over her feet, but nobody cuts off any body parts. So a step up. That's good, I guess. Yeah, yeah there are no mutilations. So one point. And then the narration goes, but wait, what's this? And we see just a leg. <laughs> straight up through a window and the foot kind of waves hello waves with hello with, with her toes she waves hello with her toesies and they go a foot uh so jose goes over there and he puts the shoe on the foot sticking out of the mud at this point cinderella is sunk entirely underneath the mud so it's just her legs sticking up in the air and, and the, the pig. pig yep and the shoe fits and that's great but the prince looks kind of thoughtful and the narration goes could this be her and it zooms in on the pig who smiles and oinks yep but no worries cinderella sits up at that moment she has no mud on her whatsoever her body is still the transformed body even though she's wearing the brown dress she's got the massive tracks of land <laughs> yep very hourglass shaped still um so she comes up she has no mud on her whatsoever the prince picks her up kisses her on the cheek and then we cut to an image of a car driving away in which we can see their silhouettes and there's a sign on the back of the car that says mucho married okay they also say that they were made manuelo and wife yeah i didn't like that part so i left I that did part not out. like that so we cut back to our storyteller and listener and the storyteller says, wasn't that a sad story? And the listener goes, no, that was happy. But what happened to the wicked stepmother? And Talon, what does the narrator respond? So this is the punchline of the whole cartoon. He goes, that's the sad part. I married her. And we zoom out and it's still silhouetted, but now there's also a silhouette of the stepmother standing behind the rounded nose guy and she's like twice as tall as him and she grabs him by his collar and pulls him up out of the chair and just carries him away and now we are blessedly finished and that's the end that's how we decided to end this cinderella story Whew. okay where do you want to start <laughs> whenever it was that we decided to watch this one and pick a different one i would like to rewind to when i made this schedule and make better decisions. So what are your highs and lows? So I think my high has to be the portrayal of the prince character as a Toreador. Because, mm -hmm. okay, bullfighting is super gross and should be banned because it's really cruel and awful. It's a good outfit though. But it's a really good outfit is what I'm saying. I like <laughs> the outfit and I really liked that take because it's a cartoon and you can't 
commit animal cruelty on pixels. So I'm fine with bullfighting in cartoons. And Toreadors have really fun outfits and really fun hairstyles. And it's just, it's a very fascinating piece of cultural history that I feel like they somehow did not poop on. Somehow. I don't know how they managed to not do that. If Maybe they just like forgot it off their things to screw up list. But I love that part. My low part, 100%, was the begging for food moment with the bone and the chihuahua. I Ooh. hated that. That was genuinely made my stomach turn. What about you? What were your highs and lows? So my highs were definitely the backgrounds. I loved their use of color. I loved all the mm-hmm. outdoor shots. I loved the bits that we got of the buildings because they did try to emulate the sort of ranch style. With like the tile roofs and big archways. So that was my high. Uh, my low was watching this in English. I, that's a good low. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't argue with that. And and I don't know how good the Spanish translation is. I don't know if they hired a Spanish speaking person to do it or if they just had somebody memorize it like phonetically. I don't know how, if it's any better in terms of cultural sensitivity, like things like that. I just don't know because I don't speak Spanish. Yep. And I couldn't find the s- script. I couldn't find the script to like look at the translation. Yeah. So a lot of the details that are in the English narration that are like the syntax and the accent and the the way that they stereotype the mannerisms, I couldn't pick up on that in the Spanish version. No, no. In the Spanish and, version, it was fine. And that was nicer for me. Yep. Personally. So this leads into our next question of what would you change? I would not have an English version. I would just have English subs. Well, you know what but there's still all the bits, all the bits that they have, like the posters where they did the phonetic spelling. <sighs> and so the intent is clearly to be racist. And... Yeah, but, but that's a very brief amount. And if it was in Spanish the whole time, then it wouldn't be six minutes of racist caricatures. It would be, you know, 15 seconds of racist caricatures and I maintain that it would still be six minutes of racist caricatures it would be less it would be less so it would be an improvement I would I would have this be in Spanish with tasteful like good subtitles I have this done in Spanish with good subtitles and I would remove all of the English from the movie so the phonetically spelled out women only and the mucho married I would just remove that because it adds nothing to the film whatsoever I just don't know how we can like pull apart the way that it was created because it hinges on like assumptions about what Mexican culture is well the thing is I don't think the fact that it was set in Mexico was the problem no not at all I just wish they'd done it better like the change that I wish they'd made is like hire a consultant like do it better yeah, yeah. I mean that that's essentially what I'm trying to get at is I, I think it would be really cool to do a you know turn of the century Mexican Cinderella like I wish that's what we got I wish instead of a Looney yeah. Tunes cartoon we got to watch like a cartoon made like in Mexico yeah like a Mexican version of Cinderella I would have loved that that would have been really fun because we love different cultures takes on this story obviously that's why we're here yes Um, 
And this was not that. And I was sad that this wasn't that because that would have been really fun. Yeah. So I think we're both in agreement that we would change just, we would just have done this, you know, properly. Yeah. Like I would have liked it done authentically and respectfully and with input from the people it's depicting. Yes. I think that would have, that would have fixed. You know, in the, in the sixties when they were so good about all of that. The sixties were what they were. Like we were learning we were learning we're we're better we're becoming better now or we're at least aware of more aware of our faults now but like it was it was unreasonable to have the expectation that this was going to be a culturally sensitive six minute long cartoon Um, but i will say that the question that i posed at the beginning i i kind of rounded to an answer i don't think this was intended to be like an homage i don't think this was done out of love i think this was like you know it's funny mexicans well, I don't know, because there were a bunch of really upsetting stereotypes that they did not include, which they could have included, mm-hmm. which were definitely around at the time. So I think if they had wanted to do a Mexican people are funny Cinderella, there would have been more aggressive and more blatant, like the prince would have been gross. Mm, interesting and cinderella would have been also gross in some way i don't think this was a bit i mean i think it was definitely hey let's do a mexican cinderella you know we're we're in the 60s and we're just flailing for new ideas like why not let's just do a mexican cinderella and they obviously didn't do it well because they didn't consult anybody because that wasn't a concept yet because the 60s were dumb but Mm -hmm. i think if they had been deliberately doing a like hey let's do a Cinderella side of Mexico so that we can make fun of Latinx people. There would have been stereotypes included that were not included. Okay. Which I realize is damning with faint praise, but. No, I, I don't think that's a bad way to put it at all. I, I, see what, I see what you're saying. That's a really interesting point. There would have been more gross stuff in there if that had been the point. I, I think they did exoticize Mexico. They did. And I think they did use like racial stereotypes for comedy, but I do agree that if that, that had didn't been... seem like the central focus of it. Yeah. I think I think they did want to make a Cinderella that was interesting and like so they just use like the trappings of what they knew or thought they knew or, or thought they knew about Mexico. Yeah, which again, a lot of those were wrong and not good, but there were a lot of really really icky stereotypes about hispanic people and uh those were not included so i i don't think that this was intended solely as a gross racist thing i think this was just uh mexico let's try mexico and see what happens i think at this point you and i have collectively put so much more thought into this oh yeah anybody working on this absolutely do you think our listeners should watch this I don't know. I just, it's always such a hard question with content that's like really problematic like this because I don't want to make light of the things that are wrong with it. But like, I also don't want to keep people from seeing parts of history, especially like in context. Yeah. So I guess with the context that this is made by white people, and this is their perception of Mexico. No, I no, still no. Yeah, Don't no. watch it. 
if find you're an writing- actual Cinderella made by Latinx people, which is what I want to do next. Yeah, I also don't think our listeners should watch this. If you're like researching something for a term paper, if you're writing a college paper on the racist history of animation in America, by all means, you should watch this. This is going to be an interesting point to your paper. But other than that, no, don't watch it. Also, send us that paper. That sounds interesting. It does, yeah. If, if anybody writes that paper, please send it. What final grade would you give this movie? I think a D. I think I'm giving it a D for racism. Yeah. It, I mean, structurally, it works as a Cinderella. It wasn't, it wasn't not a Cinderella. And it had some beautiful animation, but it wasn't, like, it just wasn't good. Yeah, no. I'm, I am torn between, like, a C- minus because the background was so beautiful. And I the really liked was that there was a Toreador. And, like, a D- minus because I hated the bone scene. Like, that made me nauseous also racism so I don't like to give things the exact same grade as you but yeah I think I have to go with D as well is there anything else you wanted to talk about no I've got I got nothing else for this okay well in that case it's almost midnight so thanks for joining us if you like this episode please leave us a rating or a review that really helps us Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult substances in the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.